time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. All right, welcome to episode 101. We're in a triple digits here. You know, that's exciting. Exciting mainly because it just means God's word's going out there and his fame is increasing and that's really what it's all about. It's what it's all about. And I'm glad you've tuned in. Thank you so much. Hey, listen, I have met so many different people over the past couple of months as I've been traveling, really promoting my new book, Uncovering the Secrets of Bible Prophecy and speaking at prophecy conferences and churches and, and telling people about it. But I've I met hundreds and hundreds of you all across uh, America and, and across the world, really, who have come up and just said, hey, thank you so much. I've read this book, I've read this book, I've read this book yours, and just how much my books have ministered to them. And I want you to know that that means a great deal to me because I count it as an honor and as a privilege to take thoughts that come from my study of God's Word and put them in language that you can understand and that might minister to you and might equip you to become passionately in love with Jesus Christ and become a lifelong follower of Him. So that means more than you can possibly imagine and all the, all the praise goes to God because... Um, after writing 31 books, I never believed that would happen because in high school, uh, to a certain point, I really never read anything deeper than a comic book. And so God has really done the transformation in me. And uh, thanks to many, many, many of you uh, for doing that. So help me to get the word about this new book out because it really is prophecy for a new generation. Uh, so many people have come up and said, hey, you know, can you have anything that my son would read, my daughter would read, my high school kid would read, my, my millennial, my college student? And I was like, hey. I've got the perfect tool for them right here as it relates to Bible prophecy, uncovering the secrets of Bible prophecy. And uh, you can check that out on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere good books are sold, okay? Hey, we're talking about uh, this little series here called Fake News and False Prophets in the Last Days. And last time we talked about what the Old Testament says about prophets, about the Old Testament, uh, Old Testament prophets, and about the false prophets that were in the land during that day. But, you know, when we kind of switch over to the New Testament and Jesus Christ comes on the scene and we have really who, who, we, who is really the last Old Testament prophet is John the Baptist. You say, wait a minute, he's in the New Testament, right? Yeah, yeah, but, but the New Testament, the New Covenant had not begun yet until the death of Christ. So really the last prophet in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant was John the Baptist. He said, prepare the way for the Lord and uh, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So, But when Christ came on the scene, Jesus told his disciples, in fact, it was really the last week of his life here on earth and before his crucifixion, and he was walking around Jerusalem, and he's talking to his disciples, and he comes up to the temple, and he looks at the temple, and he says, hey, guys, there's coming a day when not one stone of this temple will be left. It's going to be turned into rubble. And he begins to talk about uh, his the kingdom of God, the end of time. And they say, Lord, when will these things take place? What will be the sign of your coming? And Jesus then launches into this apocalyptic narrative that much of it, by the way, in Matthew 24, we see in the book of Revelation and in Daniel. But watch this. He says, is going to be just as it was in the days of Noah, he says in verse 37. But, but prior to that, this is what he says. He says in verse 11, he says, many false prophets will arise 
and mislead many. That's what Christ says is going to happen during the tribulation period. And one one of the things that we that we can observe about Bible prophecy is that some prophecies materialize in a moment and other prophecies materialize over time. I picture it like this. It's like when you're driving down the highway and you see a sign off in the distance. You know it's a sign, but you don't know what it's saying. You You think you might have an idea, but you can't be sure. But the closer you get to that sign, the more clear the sign becomes and the more confident that you can be in declaring the truth of the sign. It says exit here for, you know, El Paso or whatever. You can be sure about that. Well, in many of God's prophecies concerning the end times, we see things that that have materialized over time, like like the reestablishment of the state of Israel, the Jews returning to the Holy Land. It's really been a process over for over a hundred years. And we've seen other signs that we see in Revelation. Uh, the world coming together uh, in, a, in a global sense. I mean, things that happen that have to happen in order for revelation to take place. And so there are many of these type of signs that happen over time. Well, if Christ is predicting that during the end time, during the last seven years, that there's going to be false prophets arising and misleading many, it, it obviously stands to reason that that's going to happen now as well, leading up to the end times, the very end times. For two reasons: number one, that that's the pat, that's many of the patterns of, of fulfilled prophecy in Scripture. That's the way it happens over time. But secondly, we're seeing it happen. I mean, there's more of a preponderance of false teaching, both outside and inside the church today, than than virtually any other time in the last two thousand years. And Christ said that's going to happen. You you don't have to look far, even within the body of Christ, to see that there are false prophets. There are heretics proclaiming false truth, error, fake news about God in the world today. And that's part of what this new book does is help you identify that without naming names. It just simply gives you the principles for identifying these things. It's like when the, when the, the Secret Service goes after counterfeit money. Well, they study the real thing so well that they can identify the counterfeit when they see it. They know what to look for. This book helps you know what to look for so that you can avoid it for your own life. Not so, so that you can go after people. It's so that you can have a sense for your own life and you can help others avoid false teaching. You say, wait a minute, Jeff. Why Why is false? Te- Why is that such a big deal? Okay, people make mistakes about God. Why is that such a big deal? Here's why. Because what you believe about who God is says more about you than anything else. It's the most important thing about you. In fact, A.W. Tozer said, the most important thing about you is what comes to your mind when you think of God. So your thoughts about who God is, what he's like, how he works, how he has worked, what he does, how he works in the world, how he will work in the future, all those things create a an image. Now I'm talking about a literal image, like a picture. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about an, a spiritual image, a concept of who God is. And God made it very clear from the very beginning when he gave the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods before me. In other words, and the next thing he says was no graven images. In other words, no false representations of me. Now, I know that that doesn't sound like a big deal to a lot of people. 
Now, we obviously get things like, you know, don't bow down before a golden calf or a golden statue. I mean, it's like, okay, who does that, though, these days, especially in America? No one actually bows down to anything like that. But here's the deal. God is saying it's very important. There's a high value to God that he not be misrepresented to you and that you and I not form false images of God in our head that we then use to talk to him, that we use those as vehicles of relating to him. This is what God is like, so I'll relate to him this way. Or we use them to think about how God works in the world or what God says about certain lifestyles or about certain things that are happening in the world or what what God says about uh, heaven or hell or relationships or morality or sexuality or truth or any of these other things. God says, don't let things misrepresent me in your head. Because when you do, then when you go to worship God, who is the God you're worshiping? People say, well, you know what, all that doctrine stuff and theology, it just sounds so stuffy. I'm just going to love Jesus. And other people go, oh, man, that's, you just love Jesus. You're so spiritual. Let me ask you a question. Which Jesus are you going to love? How do you know who this Jesus is? And how do you know you're getting the most accurate view of him or of the Father or of the Spirit? How do you know that? How can you possibly know that unless... You and I are being taught correct theology, the right thoughts about God. You know, I've had so many people misrepresent me. People will say to me, I have pastors say to me over the phone, you know, Jeff, we'd love to have you come to our church, but you are so incredibly famous, we can't afford you. And, and I'm like, you need to take the phone away from your ear because the laughter that's going to come from my mouth right now is going to blow your eardrums away. Are you kidding me? Too famous? That's a misrepresentation of who I am. I am not famous, and I'm certainly not too too famous for you. That's ridiculous. That's a misrepresentation of me. Or someone says to someone else, oh, Jeff says this. Or... Like, for example, I was on a national TV program one time, and uh, in fact, it was Fox News, and I was on Fox News, and by the time I drove home from the interview, people were already posting on the internet lies about what I just said on Fox News. That's what people do. Now, did that upset me? Yes. Why? Not because I'm afraid, oh, they're not going to like me no more. No, it's not that at all. It's because the things I was saying, I was saying on behalf of what the scripture says. And I don't like people misrepresenting the scripture and certainly twisting my words to misrepresent the scripture. Now, here's the point. The point is the reason why it's so important that we get the right things about God from his word and not from false teachers or false teaching is because we then form a concept of God in our mind. And when we worship that God, whenever that is, out in the woods on Sunday morning, right before you pray at the meal, whenever you worship God, all throughout your day, who are you worshiping? You see, here's the deal. You cannot, you cannot worship a God whom you do not know. And if you're worshiping God, a God that you've created in your mind that doesn't come from Scripture, the Bible calls that idolatry. 
And according to God, idolatry is about the worst thing you can do. God hates it when we worship a false image of him. And that's why I put it in the Ten Commandments. Okay? All right. So, so that's what Jesus is saying. He says, in the last days, there are going to be false prophets. They're going to mislead many. And today, many are being misled. And in the end times, during, during the very last days, Christ says they're going to make great claims. And in verse 24 of chapter 24 of Matthew, he says they're going to perform convincing signs and wonders. Convincing signs and wonders. Now, the, the key word in there is not signs and wonders. The key word is convincing signs and wonders. You see, these false teachers, they know how to get a crowd and how to manipulate them. And obviously there's going to be supernatural things taking place in the end times. But leading up to that, we see even now false prophets who are very persuasive, okay? I mean, they can get on a broadcast like this and say, we need $100,000 for our ministry by midnight tomorrow. And people go, oh, man, we, we got to give them $100,000. We got to get that money to them. Yeah. Several years ago, there was a, a TV evangelist that came on and he said, um, God told me that if we don't get like a million dollars by tomorrow night, he's going to kill me. <laughs> I'm like, why don't we just wait and see what happens here? Obviously, he didn't die. And so what happens is these people are manipulative. They're persuasive. And watch this now. They're very good at what they do. They are very good at convincing people to do what they want them to do. And they're charismatic and they're funny and they can be cool and they dress cool and they, they, they're hip, you know, and, and some of them have been doing this for so long that they've, it's just second nature to them. And they may be good looking, you know, they, they may have a really good, you know, stage presence or delivery or, you know, audio visual aids or lights, you know, and it's all dark out there in the room, but the lights are all them, that kind of thing. And all of a sudden, you find yourself going, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm following this person. I'm a disciple of this person. And, you know, it reminds me, the contrast between that and a true apostle is just, I, I mean, it's just amazing. I, I remember what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, Now, listen to this and compare this to some of the, False teachers, some of the people that are not preaching God's word, but preaching their own thoughts, their own little philosophies today. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, when I came to you, brethren, I did not come to you with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That was the core message that Paul brought. And he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. In other words, he's not, he wasn't with them with ego and with stage presence and with celebrityism. No, weakness, fear, trembling. This is the Apostle Paul here. I mean, the guy wrote most of the New Testament. All right, so watch this. He goes in verse four, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom. In other words, I wasn't trying to impress you with my delivery, with my words, 
fact that I could rhyme words together and make you laugh or, you know, put something together that make you cry, you know, just hit you right in the feels and then come real back and hit you really in the heart. And then in the end, of course, hit you in the pocketbook. Now he says, my message and my preaching were in demonstration of the spirit and of power. The spirit and of power. He said, wait a minute. You're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Yes. Yes, I am. Now, why did Paul want the, the power of the Holy Spirit to be what was working in them and not just his natural or trained or acquired abilities? This is why. He says in verse 5, that your faith, which is your whole Christian life, should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. He says, you see, that's, that's how you're going to know that God is real. It's not just what you know from me, it's who you know and how you know him. And that's one of the things that Paul says. And then over in 1 Thessalonians, it's another great uh, chapter here, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, uh, Paul says this, he says, for we never came to you Thessalonians with flattering speech, trying to butter people up, nor the pretext for greed. We're not here to get your money. He said, Paul said somewhere else, he says, I coveted no man's silver. He says, God is my witness, nor did we seek glory from men. We're not up there. We're not doing this to be celebrities. Are you kidding me? Paul even says in 1 Corinthians 4, he says, we're not only not celebrities, he says, we're servants. In fact, we're lower than servants. And he uses a word there, a word, it's the Greek huperetas, where he says, we're like the under rowers in the third level underneath in the basement of the ship. We're rowing down there. That's our role. Now, we've got authority as apostles, Paul says, but we're just servants. He says, and, and Thessalonians says, we didn't come seeking glory from men, either from you or from others, even though as apostles we might have asserted our authority. We have the right to do that, but we didn't, Paul says. But we proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her children. Having thus a fond affection for you, we are well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you've become very dear to us. For you recall our labor and our hardship, how working day and night, so as not to become a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You say, Jeff, what is all that saying? It's saying that Paul is contrasting himself. He's holding up two images here. One is of the false prophet and, and what he brings and, and how he damages our relationship with God. And the other is the true prophet or the true preacher. That's the person that declares the truth. And the difference between them could not be greater. And when you see someone that is more enamored with their own ego and with their own ability and their own stage presence and their own persona and aura, then they are serving you and empowering you with the word of God. That's one of the ways you know that that person is a false prophet. One final thing before we close out today. Jesus said in Matthew 7, he said, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. One of the questions we ask about people is, what is their ministry producing? What are they really producing in their ministry? Because only God can make a person grow. 
Man can't do that. What are they really after? What's their end game in this whole ministry thing, right? That's what Paul's asking. And that's what Jesus is saying. Beware of the false prophets. Hey, we'll continue this study in the next edition of the Vintage Truth Podcast. I hope that you'll tune in. Go ahead and blast here. It's going to be great. I'll see you next time. Have a great week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.